Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostrock with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Joining me today is Aaron Thomas. For those of you that don't know him, he's a 2002 graduate from a little uh, law school called Harvard. I don't know if you've heard of it. And a 1998 graduate of Emory. Since 2004, he's been known as a skilled litigator, winning dozens of jury trials and bench trials in several metro Atlanta counties. But better than all that courtroom success, his proudest achievement is providing quality, empathetic services to his clients who are often going through the toughest periods of, of their lives. I know that really sits with all of us. While he's won many awards, the most treasured of those are voted on solely by his clients. Things like a two-time reigning winner of Atlanta's Best Divorce Attorney from Best Self Magazine, Avo's Client Choice Award, and Martindale Hubble's Gold Client Champion Award. He's uh, Aaron Thomas Law represents clients in traditional family law cases, divorce, both contested and uncontested, legitimation and custody cases, and child support. Aaron Thomas Law also helps clients who need to either enforce or modify their custody and child support orders. And in 2002, Aaron found, founded Georgia Prenups, now prenups.com, a friendly and fair take on the premarital postmarital agreement which obviously has gotten a bad reputation, but can be a hugely useful tool for couples that want to start their financial rate relationship in an intentional, transparent, and fair way. You can learn more about the, quote, prenups that help you stay married, unquote, by downloading the free ebook, Seven Financial Strategies for Building a Rock-Solid Marriage, at www.prenups.com. So I'm so excited to have you here because we are going to talk about one of my favorite strategies, one of my favorite things marketing strategies, but even better than that, you can implement when time is scarce. So for those of you that know me, know I am a marketing junkie, but especially a time management and effective marketing junk junkie. So I am super blown away to have Aaron give us a little bit of his time to uh, pick his brain on these topics. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, Jordan, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. And while we are going through this, we're going to have some links here. So after you hear the wonderful wisdom that Aaron has to share, you can stay connected with him at AaronThomasLaw.com, at Prenups.com, at LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Aaron R. Thomas, at Facebook.com slash Aaron hyphen Thomas hyphen law hyphen. Nope, I got to the, I got to the part. Uh, you'll get the link. It's a bunch of numbers, so it'll be there. And then also his LinkedIn business page uh, will be in the comments as well. It is... Also not the easiest URL based upon LinkedIn. So what did I miss in your bio? I know a ton, but what do we, what do we want to share? Yeah, you, I mean, you, you got it. You covered it. We, you know, we do, we do family law cases at Aaron Thomas law and, you know, prenups.com. Uh, you know, you, as you said, we founded georgiaprenups.com last year and, and we just kind of upgraded to uh, prenups.com this year. So we're really excited about that. Um, you know, kind of, going state by state trying to spread the gospel of prenups uh, across this great land yeah and no offense to georgia but that is a huge upgrade oh and, and just from the standpoint of like now you know just prenups.com that is amazing to be able to share with people and you're right it is such a weird topic to discuss but at the end of the day can really help a lot of marriages start out on the right footing so props to you yeah thanks thanks yeah we're really proud of this uh this big move and you know hopefully we can we can help some people outside of the state of Georgia as well as, you know, what we've been doing in Georgia. So yeah, thanks for letting me talk about that. Of course. 
Um, so we'll make sure that we give you another chance to share that again at the end. We've got the links in here. And obviously, look, guys, it's prenups.com. So thankfully, it's not that hard to remember. Um, after we are done, after you're done hearing the wonderful stuff that Aaron has to share on the time-effective marketing strategies we're going to talk about today, you can listen to our previous episode. That was The Secrets to Balancing Management and Leadership with Megan Robinson. That aired on Monday. We'll have the link in here as well for you to go back and listen to that afterwards. And during this, uh, in the middle of this episode, we are going to take a three-minute pause to go through the stuff that we talked about with Sharon V last week. Breezy, I hope you have those questions pulled up. If not, if you can grab them while I'm chatting with Aaron for the next 20 minutes or so, that would be wonderful. Um, so for everybody who followed along with that for last Thursday, we were supposed to follow up in a week, which would be today. We will do that. But enough about that. I want to talk about marketing strategies you can implement when time is scarce. But first, Aaron, tell me a little bit more about your story because I know, you know, we, we talked briefly, you submitted in the stuff, you brought on an in-house marketing team like ASAP and tell me more like what got you to that position, why, how that's worked out for you, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, before I started my own firm in 2015, I'd worked for another firm where my boss was, was brilliant at bringing in all of the cases. And so, you know, us lowly associates, not only were we not expected to, to bring in cases, we we're almost discouraged to bring in cases. You know, the, the firm was based around its reputation. So when I got out on my own in 2015, I was starting from scratch. You know, I knew nothing about doing my own marketing. Uh, you know, everything I was doing was word of mouth. And, and pretty quickly, I realized that marketing needed to be one of, you know, kind of the not one of the essential non-negotiable parts of of my firm. So well, it's an interesting way to phrase it because everything you said tells me you started out as a lawyer and then realized being a lawyer wasn't going to be enough. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I and I think I kind of started off with where a lot of attorneys are where, you know, I kind of thought my reputation should be enough. You know, if I just do good work, the people out there will find me. Um, and that's great in theory until you open up your doors and wait for the phone to ring. And then you realize, okay, I need to, I need to, to be able to shoot my own horn. I need to be able to explain to people why they should hire me and make sure they even know that I exist. Right. Well, and, and you're, you know, you're in Metro Atlanta. I'm in, I got Morgan and Morgan's main office, you know, 200 feet from me. So it's an amazing thing to be a super great attorney in a smaller area, but I'm sure you're in the same boat where there's a thousand other people within a hundred feet of you that do what you do, obviously not necessarily as well, but are out there, you know, screaming their names from the tops of, uh, of their respective buildings. Right, right, absolutely. Um, and, you know, er, in the early days of, of running my law firm, I remember having a conversation with a buddy about, you know, kind of the difference of the lawyers who were raking in the business and bringing in all the clients and then other lawyers we knew who were great at their practice, but could barely keep their doors open. Um, and yeah, for sure, I realized that it wasn't enough to uh, just kind of do good work that, you know, I had to have a comprehensive marketing plan. And so, like you said, um, in the beginning of 2019, it was uh, it was just me and my paralegal at that time, and I was stuck in that cycle of that I think a lot of lawyers are, where uh, you run out of work and you decide I need to get out there and market, and you go and you shake hands and you go to the meet and greets and you do your newsletter that's been sitting dormant for the last three or four months, and you go do some posts on social media and some business comes in and you get busy with the business and you stop the marketing. And I realized that um, I didn't want to keep going into these, you know, up and down cycles of market, 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 get busy, stop the marketing, 
and then have to go back and market, market, market. And that if I really wanted to be serious about growing my practice, I needed to get some help with the marketing. And, and I brought somebody on full time um, at the beginning of uh, 2019 um, to help me make sure that, you know, the newsletter goes out, that the social media posts go up uh, and everything else that's part of, you know, your marketing plan. And so, you know, I love what you shared there from two different standpoints. One, time is going to be scarce when you are a good lawyer. When you have done enough to keep yourself busy enough, time is going to be scarce. It's a totally different concept for those people on day one that don't have the reputation, that don't have the background that you have, that don't have, you know, those connections, because ultimately you've got nothing but time. And really the biggest struggle I see a lot of firm owners have is not that part. It's the one, you know, it's this boat that you and I were in where there was enough work and how do you find the time to make that work consistent? And then twofold, I mean, those crazy ebb and flows, how do you know if any of the marketing is successful? Because on the months where, you know, you're not busy, you're calling people back sooner, you're doing the post, you're on top and engaged. And the months where you are busy, you're not calling people back quickly. You're not having the newsletter go out. You're not having the extra, you know, lunch meeting or being able to stay a little bit longer to, you know, chit chat at a networking event. And then you end up having no idea what marketing is successful because you're creating a thousand new variables on your end. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, 100%. I mean, all good, all good points. I mean, I think the other thing is, is, is that's helpful is understanding what, what is marketing, you know, what all is included in the idea of marketing. And if you're thinking, you know, I've got to sit down and write an entire newsletter. Uh, yeah, that's probably going to be daunting, you know, or I've got to sit down and write, you know, an entire blog post from scratch. But if you kind of have a more expansive view of, of marketing, like, you know, calling an old client, checking, seeing how they're doing, you know, that's, that's that's marketing, right? Um, uh, you know, um, spending a couple of minutes, you know, um, uh, checking in uh, with clients or uh, checking in with referral sources and saying, you know, hey, how you're doing? You know, how's your practice doing? That's marketing. You know, staying top of mind. So, um, yeah, all all of it was part of you know wrapping my head around what what marketing was going to be for my firm. And that leads me to probably my favorite question because I think. Look, if you took the the hundred best law firm owner marketers like you and I and put us together and asked this question, I think you get a hundred different answers. So, do you have a de definition of marketing, or what is marketing to you, or you know how do we how do we sum that up in one or two sentences? Because I'm with you. I don't know what the I don't know what the consistent answer is, and it could be a million different things. Yeah, yeah. I take the expansive view. I think I think marketing is anything that communicates what your firm is about, and so. You know, your office is marketing, you know, are you are you do you have like the laid back, you know, chill decor office or is everything, you know, columns and, and white shiny shoes uh, in your office, um, how you speak to your clients, how, how somebody answers the phone when they call your office. I mean, obviously, your newsletter, your, you know, your your website, um, those things are marketing. But if you expand the view. Um, to anything that communicates, you know, kind of the personality of your firm, then, you know, marketing, marketing is a much bigger category than I think the traditional, you know, definition of what you learn in school. Well, and I think the, I mean, look, there's a million benefits to having, to building an in-house team. Uh, one of those, I think, is the consistency you get between those things. Because what I have found, talk to a lot of clients that are outsourcing some of the work, doing some themselves, having their 14-year-old cousin do a little bit of it, having the intern could do it. And then you're like, all right, you want to be this go-to firm. We've got the nice fancy office with all the columns. Now we've got, you know, this Canva template that's not spelled, the, it's not grammatically correct or everything's spelled wrong. Then we've got this newsletter that was designed by some amazing graphic designer for that team. Then we've got this brochure that, you know, our, uh, our old receptionist threw together at a, 
Photoshop and it has old photos of people that aren't here and it's got the old location, you know, do you find that to be similar to like the more cohesive or, or genuine you are with that marketing across everything the firm does, the easier it is to find success? Oh yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and we still outsource parts of our marketing program. I mean, we don't, we don't place all of our ads on Google and Facebook ourselves. Uh, we certainly get help with the graphic design, but having, you know, a dedicated person in my office to kind of manage all of our marketing efforts. That's, you know, part of her job is, is making sure that everything ties together and that we do have that consistent, cohesive message. So if you go to the website, you get the same feel as if you check our newsletter, as if you go to our Facebook page, as if you go to the LinkedIn page, or if you walk into our office and look at our letterhead and our envelopes. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is, it is a bigger task than I think a lot of lawyers give it credit for. Um, and, and that's why I think it's, you know, it, it was worth bringing in somebody full time, uh, even though we outsource pieces of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, from my perspective, I'm sure you'll, you'll feel the same way. I always love having that point of contact inside the firm and outside of the firm, because that's exactly how you get that cohesiveness of what's in with also getting, you know, the best tips and tricks from, you know, what's out from the uh, outside expert, ideally. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And 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 even right now, my you know my marketing coordinator is at is at a marketing conference right now, uh, getting tips and tricks on you know how to how to stay up to the latest with everything in marketing because there's new stuff every year. You know, there's new platforms, uh, you know, new SEO strategies. So uh, it's more than you know those of us who just went to law school and studied just law can handle on our own. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm sure I'm sure Google will update their algorithm eight times by the time we finish this conversation too. So. I'm, I'm there with you. So maybe this is easiest to tell from a story or maybe you've got the, the non-story version, but for you in that moment, you know, you've got enough work, but you want the strategy to make it more. How did you determine what strategies you had the time to implement or how did you determine the ones that made the most sense to implement? You know, can you walk me through some of your thought process there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, when I'm brought on, you know, the, my marketing coordinator in, in, in 2019, um, uh, she's a, a grad, she has a degree in marketing. So obviously I want to let, you know, the expert do what she's good at, but, you know, I started with kind of, you know, what is the personality of the firm? And, you know, we like to think of ourselves as a client centered firm, which that term is thrown around a lot. You know, what is it, what does it actually mean? Um, but I think, you know, our, our personality is, is, you know, not telling clients, Here's, here's the right thing to do, just trust me and let's do it. We would educate our clients and allow them to make decisions. And so a lot of our marketing comes from, you know, just trying to educate clients on what the law is, you know, especially in an area like family law where things aren't always intuitive. You know, you, people, people aren't gonna be able to just figure out what's a reasonable amount of child support or what's a reasonable amount of alimony on their own. Um, and so, um, you know, we wanted to be providing information that was helpful and educational for people, even if they end up, you know, doing something on their own, we want to provide something of value. So that was kind of like the basis. Yeah, I mean, of course, the uh, I don't know what area of law would be more emotional than family law, but that clouds the uh, black letter law that clouds best practices that clouds the uh, child support calculator, or, you know, whatever it is that state by state we have access to. So that is a very important thing and, and congrats to you on knowing that was what you needed to go with. Uh, so then I wanna back it up for a second then. So knowing these things, walk me through the process of interviewing those marketing coordinators or of deciding to hire them. Like what were you looking for out of them 
to bring them in as the beginning of your in-house team? Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we posted the position, um, you know, like I said, it was just, it was a lawyer and a paralegal, and this was going to be the third person that third person that joined our firm. So um, again, with this expansive idea of, of what constitutes marketing, we were going to have the marketing coordinator answer the phones and talk to the people, you know, who were looking to set up a consultation um, and, you know, send the follow-up emails and all of that. So we were looking for somebody who had a personality fit that matched the firm, first of all, so that we could trust this person. You know, if I can trust the person to be the first point of contact with our potential clients that are, that are calling the firm in, you know, whatever desperate state they find themselves in, um, then uh, certainly I can trust them to put something up on Facebook or to deliver, you know, a newsletter. Um, and so, you know, the personality fit um, was, was key from, you know, the front end. And we wanted someone who, um, you know, was, was a problem solver and attention to detail. Again, you know, lawyers, we always talk about, you've got to have that attention to detail. And so uh, we did one of those um, uh, application um, processes where, uh, we included very specific instructions. You know, you had to convert your cover letter to a PDF and you had to send it to a particular email address with a particular subject line heading. Um, and that's such a fantastic way to weed out, you know, the people who aren't paying attention. You know, we got probably 200 applications and maybe 10 or 12 people followed the directions to the T. So, um, you know, we're looking for somebody with that kind of attention to detail um, as well. So, and I love what you're talking about there from so many things. The biggest one is I find so many other firms make the mistake of they take that great paralegal and kind of force them into, well, now you're in charge of social media. And that could not be a, well, usually that could not be a more different thing to ask for. And so to find somebody who's got the, you know, soft skills with the clients and also the right attention detail for the firm. I mean, that is a, that is a uh, worth their weight in gold one one in a million type hire um, but also then you put them in that position answer the phone so what better way to know what clients want to hear what better way to know what questions you should be answering on social what better way to hear what valuable content you should be putting out there than what are the things that clients keep asking us right yeah it, exactly and i mean you, you just hit it on the head is because she's that first point of contact she now knows exactly what are the problems that people have what are the questions that people, you know, call up to the firm with? Um, and I mean, another reason why it's great having her answer the phone instead of, you know, me or a paralegal is uh, we, you know, she can't get roped into a 30 minute conversation where she's giving out free advice on the phone. Um, like, you know, me and my paralegal, if we're answering the phone, you know, of course, we're going to start answering questions. You know, somebody's, you know, desperate and we know that we have the answer right there. Um, but for her, it was more kind of looking at it from a detached point of view and saying, okay, you know, a lot of people are having this question, maybe our next video needs to be on this, you know, or we've had five people, you know, call and ask questions about, um, you know, for example, you know, what do I do with, you know, virtual schooling, you know, if that conflicts with like the parenting plan that we've got on paper. Okay, all right, we need to do a blog post about this, or we need to do a video on this, and she can kind of keep in touch with the questions people are having in real time. Um, and like you said, what better way uh, for the marketing person to you know, know what message we need to be putting out there than talking to the clients directly and finding out what their problems are. Yeah, and so my firm, we do uh, Monday morning, we do a modified level 10 EOS meeting. Um, this is one of the questions we ask every single Monday. What questions you get from clients last week? And you know, for exactly what you're talking about. And it's always amazing to see, you know, for any attorney that thought that COVID wasn't gonna change how they practiced or what their clients' questions would be, uh, 
please call me if you still don't feel that way because I would love to chat with you about how how so and so it only comes up a million times you know and I love that you guys have that uh point person maybe that's not the right terminology but that that first you know that initial point of contact really understanding how do we then do this at scale through our marketing efforts yeah yeah absolutely um uh, and then, and then, you know, my marketing coordinator was also ended up being the person to, you know, reach out. Somebody, you know, called, but they didn't schedule a consultation. She could, you know, touch base with them again. Or if somebody scheduled a consultation, but they didn't hire, she could, you know, touch base with them again. And, you know, you know, you'd be shocked. Well, Jordan, you wouldn't be shocked, but a, a lot of people would be surprised how many people, you know, called us back and said, you know, I've heard more from you following up than I have from the attorney I hired. I'd like to let them go, you know, and come over with your firm. So, um, you know, again, that's marketing. And to me, that's part of marketing. You know, how often are you following up with people? You know, what's your communication strategy? Can people get in touch with you, you know, when they have a question? So um, all of those things, you know, kind of fell into, fell into place by having a dedicated person on the phones, you know, and doing the marketing. So you've got this person in there, you know, knocking out these great questions. They've got this stuff lined up. But from your perspective, from the from the owner perspective, from the attorney perspective, how are you finding the time to are you writing the blog post? Are you filming the video? Like, how are you making that work with your time being so scarce? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the way the way that I looked at it um, is, you know, came from a buddy of mine. I am a I am a thief of good ideas, you know, an unashamed thief of good ideas. Um, but, you know, a friend of mine told me that, you know, uh, you know, any business is going to dedicate at minimum 5% of their budget towards marketing. Um, and for me, I said, okay, well, that's, that's good on the finances, but what about the time as well? You know, 5% of my time budget, um, you know, it's just, you know, like I said, if it's non-negotiable, if you agree that marketing is non-negotiable for your firm, um, then, you know, it's just like paying the bills. You know, you wouldn't dedicate zero time towards paying the bills. You dedicate 5% of the time uh, to paying the bills. And so, I wanted to create kind of, you know, an achievable way that I could continue marketing. And for me, the best way to do that was to say, okay, you know, 10 minutes on the computer first thing in the morning before I check the email, don't even open up, you know, the email account, get down and type for 10 minutes. It can be 50 words. Um, normally, if you start typing, you know, more than 50 words is going to come out. Um, and then well, especially for us lawyers, right? Like, the, especially uh, for us lawyers, like, yeah, it's called lawyers. a brief, but it's never brief. <laughs> it's the opposite of brief. Um, and, um, you know, I, I figured if I could just, you know, use the, 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 the Jerry Seinfeld tool of, you know, don't break the streak, do something every single day, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, for those that aren't familiar, wrote a joke every day and put a check mark on his calendar. For me, it was writing, you know, a little bit about my practice, um, every single day. Um, you know, for as long as I could keep that streak alive and even five, you know, 10 minutes, um, after a year, a year and a half of doing that, I had tons of blog posts. Um, I keep a little note app on my phone and if I've got five minutes, you know, I'd be, I may be sitting with my daughter watching cartoons and I can very quickly, you know, bang out, you know, five or 10 sentences, you know, about a topic that later becomes uh, a blog post or a video. Um, but just kind of, you know, looking at marketing as, as something that I do just a little tiny piece of uh, every day rather than oh, I've got to overhaul the website and I need 10 new blog posts, you know, on XYZ. Um, so from that strategy standpoint and from you having this in-house person, you know, are they sending you topics every week, every month? Are they guiding 
you know, what you're writing about when you've got this time, or is it really just kind of, they've got their side and then you've got your knowledge base and then they're bringing that together. Yeah, well, we do, we have a regular marketing meeting that we do at minimum once a month, sometimes more often than that. And it, it's, it's on the calendar, you know, in perpetuity, you know, so it's, it's something that is, that is said and is, you know, part of our system. Um, but also what we found is after doing this, you know, for a few years, you build up kind of a library. And so, you know, I've now got, you know, probably a hundred articles, you know, across the internet, some on my website, some on, you know, lawyers.com or divorcenet.com and other websites, um, as well as, you know, podcasts and videos. And so we can kind of, we're now in a position where um, my marketing coordinator can repurpose material um, and, you know, repackage material, take a video and turn it into a blog post, take a podcast and turn it into an audio clip. Um, and we're able to kind of, you know, continue sharing out information and, you know, the same people aren't reading the same, you know, posts every time. So people are still getting value, you know, every time we put up a post. Well, and the, you know, somebody explained it to me this way that just has sat with me forever. They're like, are you really that vain that you think that everybody who had the potential to read this blog post, read it and memorized it and still has it in their brain six, three months later, six months later, a year later. And it was just finally like, it just clicked for me that way where I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. We can, we can reshare the same thing or especially, I mean, look during COVID COVID has been the easiest time to reuse every single thing that you've already done and talk about how to take it remotely and talk about how it gets impacted now and talk about how you do it with, you know, the courthouse being closed or whatever it is along those lines. You know, there's a great opportunity to refresh that information and make it helpful in a timely manner that we unfortunately still find ourselves in what 17 months later. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and somebody new is having the problem you're talking about today, you know, I mean, if somebody's read through every single piece of information, then they're they're either a fan or a stalker, but, you know, or they're sold on your services. They, you know, they know that you're an expert and they're not going to begrudge you, you know, for resharing some information. So, you know, excellent point. Right. I can't imagine them like going to your biggest competitor and be like, listen, I have read 150 articles that Aaron Thomas Law wrote, but I'm going to hire you because I didn't read your articles. So, no, I'm, I'm right there yeah. with you. All right. We're going to take a, a three minute not pause because I'm going to go over it. I want to redo our um, thing from a week ago. So Sharon V was on talking about how you set up the life that you love. And so what she had us do is we created our, I have it on a very small sticky note. You definitely want a larger piece of paper. So we did uh, three things across experiences on the left, grow in the middle and contribute on the right. And so let me get a, a timer pulled up. Hope that that phone has a timer on it. Cool. She had us do uh, one minute. We're going to do 30 seconds. So we'll be a little more cognizant of Aaron's time. The first question is, what do you want to have experienced in your life so you know that you have made it? And so just write out, brain dump it. If you did it this last week, you're trying to, you're doing it totally brand new again to see if your stuff matches up. So we're talking about what do you want to have experienced in your life so that you know you have made it? Um, I talked about things like having a happy life, being able to travel, raising a kid to be a productive member of society who's well-adjusted, uh, and then a couple places I want to make sure that I, I went, and then obviously, you know, some financial goals that I'll keep to myself or maybe share later. And so that's going to be go on for a minute. We got a, we're at our 30-second mark. We'll restart that. So the next one becomes, who do you have to become and how do you have to grow 
to achieve those experiences. So I looked at it from the standpoint of every one thing I had in the experiences, what do I have to do to accomplish it? You know, to have more travel, do I need to make more money? Do I need to hire more people? Do I need to um, get myself more time? Like we're talking about here with, you know, time being scarce. So I'll do 30 seconds on that one. So what do you have to become and how do you have to grow to achieve those experiences? It doesn't have to exactly be a one-to-one. -one. I just found that to be the easiest way to do it. So we'll go through that. And obviously these should be actionable steps, small things that you can do to know that you are closer to achieving those experiences or being in the position to be able to do it. Five more seconds. All right, and then last uh, under our contribute section, how does living your best life contribute to the world by achieving those experiences and growing to be that person? And so on that one, we're talking about, you know, the what's the impact of there? And, you know, I think this strikes near and dear to Aaron's heart, obviously with the prenups, being able to contribute to the world by having people get married in a way that is uh, unequal footing or honestly, uh, honesty among them. So we'll do 30 seconds on that. So, you know, are you helping people? How do you, how are you helping them? How are you making the world a better place? You know, I, I find that while most attorneys don't want to admit it, a lot of us did get into this because we enjoy helping people, that there is an altruistic bone in our bodies, despite what you will hear on a TV or from people that can't stand attorneys. So how does living your best life and growing to be who you need to be contribute to the world as a whole by achieving those experiences and growing to be that person? We'll go five more seconds. All right, and so I hope that you all found that to be helpful. I know I have really enjoyed it. Um, two things will happen when you do this if you're anything like me. Either you will be relatively close to those aspirational questions or you'll be incredibly far away and either one will be motivating to you, hopefully. So enough of that. I wanna jump back in marketing strategies you can implement when time is scarce with Aaron Thomas. Aaron was talking to us about carving out that 5% and now getting to the point, the 5% of time towards marketing and now having such a, a database and library of information that it makes it easier for his team to get the right information, refresh and repurposed and re-out to everybody. So from a from a the perspective of a, of a law firm owner who may not luck into or decide into a great marketing coordinator, you know, that may be off the table for them. From that law firm owner's perspective, is there a way to figure out the best use of that, of that time? Like I know you talked about those 10 minutes beforehand. Was that something you came up with or was that something from your marketing coordinator? Um, that was, that was something that I, I stole from another buddy who, you know, had basically oh, right, right. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. on a writing streak of his own. Um, and, and so I said, okay, yeah, let me, you know, let me set aside that time to make sure that um, that I can work on, you know, my own marketing, you know, every day, day in, day out, even on weekends. Um, you know, there were a couple of times where I was in the, in the hallway of a courthouse, you know, begging out my 250 words, you know, before I walked into the courtroom. Um, but yeah, making it kind of non-negotiable every single day uh, type habit was, was big. And did you, you found that to be the most helpful for you? Because that was in theory, hopefully before every family law emergency that's not really an emergency started coming across the uh, the plate for the day? Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, you know, the the other part of it, I think that was powerful for me was making sure that I did it every day. 
because if I'm left to my own devices, you know, if I say, oh, I'm going to do it, you know, every now and then, or I'll sit down once a month and I'll knock out all the blog posts, you know, that are going to go up for the next month. Um, invariably, there's going to be something else that takes precedence. But if I if if I kept the, the time commitment on a day to day basis, super small, you know, five or 10 minutes, then it was kind of like there's no excuse for that. You know, even if I'm in the middle of a trial, you know, there's going to be a break at trial. You're going to have something for lunch, you know, and, and five minutes is so little. Uh, but when you add it up, you know, day after day, it's a it's a good amount of content. You know, I mean, a, a Facebook post doesn't take that long. You know, a, a LinkedIn post doesn't take that long that long. And everybody consumes this stuff in, in bite sized chunks now anyway. So, you know, you don't need to write, you know, a 20 minute to read blog post uh, for people today anyway. So. So, yeah, that was that was part of it. Was there a reason that you chose that five to 10 minutes of writing versus five to 10 minutes recording yourself on your phone versus five to 10 minutes dictating something? Like, was there, was there a decision making or how did you get to that decision? Um, the writing really, I, I think I was just copying a, a friend of mine who was, okay. who was writing today and it seemed something easy enough to do. Um, you know, I'd written for a couple uh, different websites. So I was already comfortable writing. Um, you know, the video and the audio, I think, takes like just a, a little more level of confidence to get to where, you know, you're comfortable doing that. Um, I think today, if I were to, you know, kind of implement that idea today, it might be video, you know, because it, it, it's pretty easy to turn flip on the camera and everybody's got an HD camera on their phone, you know, these days and um, and do a couple of minutes of, you know, a little piece of of your business that would be educational for potential clients. Yeah, along those lines. So I hate, this is my personal opinion, I hate the video of you driving in the car, anybody driving in the car. I'm like, oh my God, you're going to get into an accident. It's going to be on video. It's going to be the worst personal injury case ever because you are so at fault while you're filming this video. Can't stand it. It just doesn't sit right with me. Totally from a lawyer perspective. Um, but I know a lot of people that will do like dictation of themselves on audio while they're driving to work or something along those lines, obviously. The same thing with the video, I wouldn't be typing away on your phone while you're driving. That's a whole nother distracted driver issue that we come across. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love, just make it work. Make it something that fits your schedule. And I love how you did every day, just every day. It is not just during the week. It is not just on Tuesdays. It is not, it is every day. And, you know, and, and did you hit it every day? Um, Pretty much. I mean, over over like a couple of years when I first started doing it, there were a couple of days that, you know, I was traveling or something else came up. But for me, doing something every single day is easier than doing it five days a week, because then you have the internal debate, you know, is today an off day. Um, but if I did it every day, then it kind of like took the guesswork out of it. You know, it was just something that had to be done. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, look, if you aim, yeah, I find if you aim for seven days a week and hit six, You'll be so happy. But if you aim for five days and hit like three, you're going to be so aggravated or once a week. And then you're like, ah, I'll just push it to next week. And the next thing you know, you know, it's been six weeks. So I love that. Um, is there any for, for different law firm owners, you know, are there any, what other marketing strategies do you think would be easy to implement with scarce time or any other insight you have on that? Not just the, you know, 10 minutes a day, writing it out, knock out the content. Yeah, I think I think another thing for me that was important to make sure that I kept generating content that I could use is uh, something that's super difficult for most of us type A lawyers to do, which is to let go of of the need to be perfect. Um, 
it's it's you know we're used to writing briefs and proofreading and you know dotting every i and crossing the t's and you know making sure there's only one space after the period instead of two that you know doing something like marking you're we're afraid to put out in the world without having you know spend an hour proofreading and going over it um and you know there there are two kind of points that that pushed me to open up to just get the content out there more and and one was uh, to treat everything like it's an experiment, you know, um, and, and and say, I'm just going to try this. If it looks like it's working, I'll make it better later. I'll perfect it later. You know, I'll improve the way that it looks la later. And that allowed me to get that first newsletter out there before the template was, you know, exactly perfect the way that I wanted it or to get the blog post up there. Um, you know, I'm sure somebody will let me know if there's a typo and I can always go back and edit. You know, it's the digital age. You know, it's not in print. You know, I'm not I'm not chiseling this into a slate, you know, it could be corrected later. Um, and then the other part of it uh, was, you know, another friend of mine explained to me that you've got to have you got to have a failure budget. You know, 10 percent of things are going to completely bomb. And if you just, you know, accept that 5 percent of whatever, you know, you're going to do or 10 percent is, is not going to work out, that can kind of, you know, free at least for me, it freed me up to put content out there. You know, not every message is, is going to work. Not everything is going to land. Um, and, you know, if people don't like it, honestly, they're going to forget it in five seconds. It's not like they're going to dwell on it and, you know, it's going to affect poorly on your on your firm. So, um, you know, part of it is just getting over the perfection and just getting content out there. So I will I'll throw my uh, story, one of, one of my many stories of failure or mistake into this. So my, you know, law school, you write your law school essay on, you know, why you're a good fit and I don't know. Do law schools even read it? I have no idea. But this was going to be the essay. This was the written thing. And I had the words and I read through it a thousand times and I had 20 people read it. And finally, on the 20th person, they're the first person who realized at one point I said pubic interest law instead of public interest law. And while it is a small spelling mistake, it is a huge difference. And uh, thankfully, it was caught before that went out to a bunch of law schools. But ultimately, it did take 20 people on top of me reading it probably 100 times for that to come out. So amazing. It happens. And the flip side of that, the lawyer side of that is, I get this all the time. Well, what if I share a video and I don't have the exception to the exception to the exception to the exception to the rule that's super hyper-technical, this one case from seven, the 1700s that says something different, and I get called on it by you know my colleagues? And to that, I say, you know what that's called from Google's perspective or Facebook's perspective? It's called engagement, and they will share that to more people. So let them blast you all they want for, you know, the in the situation where a husband and wife get married. If it's in this random county under these circumstances, under a full moon, there is some crazy thing that only applies in this one little thing. And then, you know what? You can do a video about the exception by itself, but in the meantime, you've got engagement. So... Jordan, the the haters will get you trending, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and some of and some of some of the best material that you'll get out there is when you say something, you know, a little controversial or a little, you know, harsher without going through every little exception technicality, and you start the conversation about it, and that's what you wanted to happen in the first place for people to engage and like have an opinion, you know, about about the content that you're putting out there. So even that can end up being a plus. Yeah, I um. I actually had that, I posted that on LinkedIn after realizing that. I was like, look guys, you all are awesome. Cause my posts that are like 75% well thought out 
you guys do such a better job filling in the 25% than my posts that I think are perfect and then I'm missing something. So I am, I'm right there with you. And obviously, you know, look, you hope you surround yourself with people that will do it in a constructive way and an engaging way and not just be like, you're a moron, but you know, sometimes I'm a moron and I'm okay with that. It's the, uh, it's, it's my 10% of failure. Like you talked about beforehand. Yeah. hundred percent. So is there, you know, you all are doing family law and obviously you want to make sure that you're providing content that makes sense to your ideal client from a family law standpoint. How, how does an attorney utilize that when coming up with a strategy? Like how different should they be doing the strategy for their clients versus what they enjoy doing versus what's worked in the past versus what somebody told them is a great thing that'll work over the next six months? What's your insight on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there's not going to be a one size fits all strategy for, you know, your marketing message. And I've just found that, you know, if you try to do what everybody else is doing, it's going to come off as inauthentic. And then your marketing can end up being a net negative for you instead of, you know, a positive. I mean, I, you know, just as an example, you know, if, if everything we do is marketing, you know, like even how I'm dressed today is marketing, you know, I could have, I could have thrown on, you know, a, a jacket and a tie to, to sit down for this. Um, but when my clients see me, this is what I look like, you know, I mean, before I had gray hair and I needed to look more professional, maybe I'd have the tie on, but you know, the, the more the gray hair came in, you know, the formality of the rest of my clothing. I see you, I see you subscribe to the same philosophy. Uh, <laughs> yep. I was, for anybody who can't see this, I have a lot of gray on my face. Yeah. You know, the, the more, you know, you, you kind of relax and, um, you know, I think our, our marketing kind of fits that as well. You know, if you were to see our, our newsletter, it's, it's actually like 20% about family law facts. And a lot of it is about, you know, things, families, you know, events, families can do, or a nice product that I found, you know, or I might just be chatting about the weather or, you know, uh, the upcoming, you know, soccer season for Atlanta United or, or anything like that. Um, and I think those end up being more memorable than, you know, me kind of going through the child support guidelines every week. You had to bring soccer into it. You had to just needle our uh, Orlando city, which I would say that we are rivals, but I don't know that we've beaten you guys yet. So maybe that's not a rivalry. Um, yeah, no. And that's totally true because you've made it valuable for the client. You know, you made it valuable for the reader instead of it just being, you know, Aaron's wonderful at this and here's some awards and here's the black letter law that nobody cares about. You know, you've really incorporated that listening component or at least that value component to your audience. Love it. So as we get towards the end, anything else you want to make sure we cover? I mean, I know we could totally do another 10 hours on this, but unfortunately we are limited to the next like 10 minutes. So anything that we missed, anything we left out, anything you want to make sure we expound upon before some other fellow lawyer marketer slams us for not talking about the exception to the exception to the exception to the rule or something? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, the, the one other thing that I would throw out there is, is to look at, you know, um, I think it would help a lot of lawyers to look outside of the law and see what, you know, what other businesses are doing. I think that, you know, as lawyers, we think that, you know, maybe you know, sometimes deserved and sometimes not that, you know, we're extremely special and our industry is way different. I mean, that's one of the reasons why a lot of lawyers don't want to market in the first place. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we law firms are businesses and you can take cues from what their, other businesses are doing. Uh, and some of my, you know, some of my uh, colleagues thought I was I was being a little crazy for being, you know, a two person law firm, a lawyer and a, 
and a paralegal to bring on a full-time, you know, marketing person in-house. And then we were still going to outsource, you know, some of our marketing efforts and, and said, you know, why are you doing that? And now looking back, you know, it's obviously a great decision. It's not insane for any other type of company to bring in, you know, marketing help to devote a significant amount of their revenue uh, to paying for marketing services. Uh, why would it be that way, you know, for a law firm? And, and so, you know, kind of, you know, stepping away from, you know, this is what lawyers have always done. And, you know, um, you know, having a little bravery to, to step out and do something different, show some personality. Um, it's only reap rewards for us. Yeah. Don't, um, you don't have to drop any names, but how many of those have either flat out asked you for a job or been like, share with me your wisdom, you know, you're doing so well. How do I, how can I recreate it? That the same people that told you it was a dumb idea, whatever it was three or four years ago. There, there are a number of them that are, you know, kind of following in our footsteps and tried to, you know, recreate what we're doing or, you know, sometimes just be like, well, who's doing your newsletter again? Um, so, um, you know, we'll, we'll take it all as compliments uh, these days. Hey, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Um, but my thing, look, obviously I am biased. Obviously I made my firm successful, not by being a good lawyer, but by being, I hope, a pretty good marketer. And then hiring people with that money. Cause like, that's the thing that people I think lose sight of. If you have the revenue coming in, if you have the cases, if you have the money, you can throw that at any other problem. You can hire more staff. You can bring in consultants. You can hire a coach. You can hire a therapist. You can hire a personal shopper at whatever it is, as long as you have the money coming in, which comes from marketing. So we are, we are speaking the same language here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love what you're talking about and, and I love your, your podcast and your, and your YouTube channel. And I, I really believe that it's providing a great service for, you know, us lawyers uh, to kind of break out of the mold and, and try some new things and uh, treat our firms as businesses. So, you know, appreciate what you guys are doing here. Thank you. All right. So as we get towards the end, I want to talk about our next episode. Our next, I say this all the time, our next episode will be very different, but this one, it will be very different. We have uh, Danya Hunt coming on. For those of you that don't know her, She's a former uh, Olympic head athletic therapist and strength and conditioning coach. She now works with entrepreneurs where she explains to us the right mindset and training and stuff that we need for the purpose of growing our businesses, just like working with Olymp Olympic athletes for the mindset they need to grow their themselves to be that much better at their sport. Uh, I wish, had we thought about this, we should have run this during the Olympics, but unfortunately we'll be going uh, a week too late, but she is going to come on to talk to us about growing your business by changing your habits. So if you ever want to talk to a uh, Olympic head athletic trainer and strength and conditioning coach about how you bring in the right mindset for your law firm, you want to join us on Monday at 1.30, Breezy? 1.30 on Monday for Danya Hunt's presentation on growing your business by changing your habits. But I'm not going to let you go, Aaron, just yet. I want the diamond nugget of wisdom, the most important thing. If somebody's been listening for, at this point, 50 minutes, remembers absolutely nothing else that you said, takes nothing away from it, but you're going to share here. What is your biggest piece of advice on how other attorneys can replicate the same success that you've had can become that exhibit A of a successful attorney? I would say to decide what your, your budget more time than money is for marketing. Stick to it, start tomorrow, put something out there, get the content up. Uh, it's all of its experiment. No one's gonna judge you nearly as much as you think they're going to. 
Um, and, and everyone who goes down this path is, has reaped the rewards. Yeah, no, at least I want to, uh, to expand upon something you said in that no one who matters is going to judge you poorly for your attempt at marketing. The people that truly care and actually give a poop about you are going to be excited for you, or they're going to help you make the changes, or they're going to introduce you to somebody, or they're going to give you some feedback. The people that just say, this is trash are not the people you need to surround yourself with. So I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at legalesemarketing.com, E-A-S-E.